every Arizona homeowner's best friend. And it all has to do with you. Thanks for tuning in. It's Rosie on the house. Your weekend wake-up tradition. Come on around back, Arizona. It is Saturday morning, the 8 o'clock hour, the outdoor living hour of Rosie on the house. First Saturday of the month, that means we're talking farm fresh commodities, and we've got Julie Murphy, Arizona Farm Bureau spokeswoman, joining us. If you follow along in our home maintenance calendar, you see a commodity that's not on our Arizona agriculture wheel, which is a breaks up how the agriculture industry is a $23 billion industry to Arizona, but we've got something a little special today. It's a, a fairly new uh, ag business to the state of Arizona over the course of the last, you know, as it relates to the 100 years of Arizona's uh, Farm Bureau history. Congratulations on turning 100. Thank you. And to celebrate that, we've, we're talking today Arizona wine. Yes, yes. It's actually, it ha- it's had some resurgence, I want to say, in maybe the past 20 to 30 years. But even back before Arizona was, even Arizona, they're been, we've been heard to are known to have grown some wine grapes. But today in studio, I have Emil Mullen. He's owner of Cove Mesa. And uh, we have all sorts of stories that he's going to tell us and why he came to grow wine grapes and create some really great wine. So Emil, um, what's your story? Well, just uh, let's go back just for a minute to the beginnings of yes. wine in Arizona. Uh, Arizona was really the first state in the country that had wine grapes planted uh, way before we were a state, but a long time ago. And then the, uh, uh, the Catholic Church, as the uh, uh, missions moved toward California, they actually came from here to California to plant grapes. So we, we had it a long time ago. We had we had to have real wine when we took communion. Exactly. So, thanks to the Catholic <laughs> Church. Yeah, there really truly is more than different phases of history for the wine industry, but the resurgence recently has been quite amazing. And Abel, you got inspired, especially when you go, were going through Yavapai College's, I'm just going to call it the wine school, but... The Southwest Wine Center. Yes. And, and, uh, yes. You were a graduate of it. Did you know going through that program fairly recently, you've had your business now, what, five years? Well, the we've had uh, the beginnings of the business that uh, started with a vineyard uh, for a number of years. But we, uh, we actually officially started the winery on June 1st of 2020. Okay. In the so, middle, oh of, middle of the pandemic. Wow. So when we moved to uh, Cornville in the Verde Valley. We moved from Tucson, where we had lived for 16 years. And uh, the property that we found, uh, as soon as I saw it, I thought, boy, this would make a spectacular vineyard. Um, My wife and I, uh, Cindy and I, had been involved in wine for a long time, had been investors in a winery in Oregon for 20 years. Um, And we were great lovers of wine, and I was really into the vineyard part of it, into the farming part. Uh, I never really had thought I wanted to have a winery until I took the program from Yavapai College. And I have to say, Michael Pierce, who runs that, progr- yes. runs that program, is so inspiring and such a, a tremendous teacher that I got amped up to actually have a winery. And it kind of shocked me at my old age to, uh, to do that. But uh, we decided uh, in the middle of the pandemic, when everybody was locked down, we got so 
angry at, at being shut off from life that we just felt like we had to do something to break out. And we had this crazy idea that maybe now is the time to start our winery. And Abel, I've actually known you uh, pre the launch of this because uh, you're a member of the Farm Bureau and you're involved with the Yavapai County Farm Bureau as one of their leaders. But uh, that's what's been so fun to kind of see this evolution of your own experiences with wine and then what Arizona as a state does in general. We have award-winning wines here in the state of Arizona, and a lot of it, uh, most of your expert wine growers will tell you it's just because of some of the amazing climates and what we can do with our wine grapes. But what's your mix of grapes that you grow? Well, first of all, uh, none of our grapes are ready for market yet. We haven't harvested yet, but we have 11,400 vines in Cornville on two different sites that are pure limestone, so very difficult to grow. Um, At our house uh, uh, on Cove Mesa, which was the first vineyard we planted, we have uh, eight varietals, three whites and, uh, and five reds. And the three whites are Greco de Tufo, uh, Petite Mansang, and Assyrtico. And Greco is from uh, the Amalfi Coast area of uh, Italy in Campania. Uh, Petite Mansang is from uh, southern France. And uh, uh, the Assyrtico is from the island of Sardinia. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, the, uh, the Greek island of... Uh, <laughs> I've just got a mental blank. <laughs> The uh, the one everybody goes we don't to. know writing yeah. we don't know the writing anyway it's it, it's, it's a it's a Greek grape <laughs> it's and, all Greek uh, to us <laughs> right um, and uh, the reds are uh, Teraldigo from uh, northeastern Italy uh, Graciano which is from the Rioja region of Spain uh, Barbera from uh, the Piedmont area in northwestern Italy um, and uh, Barbera also uh, Barbera and uh, Morved. Uh, which is a grape that uh, Americans mostly know of from their own region of France, although it's actually a Spanish grape. And, and then Ayanico, which is the one we have the most of. And so f- to the point of we can grow anything in Arizona, you are proof that we can grow some unique vi- uh, vines here in Arizona with our wine grapes. And it's actually what made me want to do it here. Um, if we were in California, where, where the, the regions are so identified with specific grapes that people really don't grow anything else there, we would have never done this. Seriously, that's so interesting. So, and there's another backstory with you. Uh, your career has not always been in the wine business. You're pretty much a businessman. So, Emil, what inspired all this? Well, as I said, uh, I've been into wine for a long time. I mean, really serious about wine since I was in my... Uh, probably mid to late 20s, uh, which was a long time ago. And uh, anything I'm interested in, I become a serious student of. And uh, we have, uh, my wife and I have been to Europe, uh, I don't know, 30 times. Um, We've always visited uh, producers all over uh, France, Italy, and Spain. Been to a lot of vineyards. I've just done a lot of research, and of course, the research uh, into wine includes drinking a lot of really high-quality wine. So, and you've brought a couple of your bottles, and then we also have the Centennial Red, which we uh, partnered with the Southwest Wine Center, Michael Pierce, to create the Centennial Reds in celebration of Arizona Farm Bureau's 100 years. But tell us about the two wines that you brought us today. Well, because it's morning. Uh, I didn't bring any reds. Um, <laughs> we, uh, we have a Peak Pool Blanc and a Malvasia Bianca opened uh, to taste. We haven't started yet. I don't think anybody's tasted. I had one little sample. Oh, did I'm you? being very judicious because I still have to ask 
legitimate questions. So the the Peak Pool Blanc uh, is a really interesting grape that is perfect for Arizona. One of the problems we have here is that uh, our fruit ripens when it's still really hot. I mean, it can be 110 degrees at uh, harvest time. And as a result, we have a hard time maintaining acidity in the, in the grapes. So everything I planted on my, in my vineyard, um, uh, and, and this peak pool is a great example, um, are, they're grapes that maintain their acidity. Explain this for our wine lovers. What are we tasting? Um, what are we tasting in this wine? Yes. Well, it, it's It's a, very good, by the way. I can at least say that. Yeah. It, it, it's, <laughs> uh, peak pool is, uh, because it's a high acid wine, it is very elegant, uh, very refreshing. Um, it has... Um, some really nice uh, uh, light green apple characteristics. Uh, if, if you're a person that, that likes New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc, for example, uh, which is a very high acid uh, wine with the green, uh, noted for green apple and, and lemony flavors, uh, the Peak Pool is not far off from that. I think it's more elegant. I, I think in some ways it's more interesting. Um, it's very refreshing. But it would be in that category for people who uh, aren't familiar with the, with the grape. It's very appropriate to try on a Saturday morning. Perfect, yes. <laughs> very nice breakfast wine. And just because Governor Ducey recently proclaimed November Arizona Leafy Greens Month, I want to give props to our leafy greens grow- growers right now in Yuma, Maricopa County, uh, Pinal County. A lot of our produce farmers are growing a lot of these mixed leafy greens. And, of course, we think salads and all your vegetables, but it's a good pairing with wine. That's one of the reasons why I wanted to give them props. But for our listeners, just remember that no- November is Arizona Leafy Greens Month. And well, and this peak pool would would especially be good. Yeah, I was going to say, that. is that yes. a good pairing? It is with and all of our vegetables, and it's because of the uh, high acidity uh, in in the wine. So yes, it'd be great. So is a grape a fruit or a vegetable? Oh, it's definitely a fruit. So I'm just adding a fruit juice to my salad. Exactly. <laughs> it is exactly. A very, a very healthy combination here. Right. Yes. So that all, all the nutrients that we need from the vegetables and fruits and salads, all, all tied together in one. So a lot of um, wine history in Arizona is very interesting, intriguing, and in our history book that we just produced for Centennial Celebration for Arizona Farm Bureau, we have a section on some of the historical experiences and what went on with the wine industry and here in Arizona. And we have so much potential. And as we've talked in the past with some of our other wine growers on the show, and Rosie, I even recall you kind of making reference to this, how the wine industry has really helped some of these rural communities economically. And uh, so you can go down there and you can travel Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe 80% of the grape farming is done in Cochise County in southern Arizona. Yeah, between uh, uh, Sonoida and, uh, and Wilcox, Wilcox being the far larger producer, uh, about 80% of the fruit in Arizona is grown in southeastern Arizona. But a lot of times they like to reference that a lot of our winemakers using those Wilcox grapes are a lot of those winemaker expertise, so to speak, is coming from more northern Arizona. Well, uh, uh, I mean, they're from all over. But. Yeah, oddly enough, about 80% of the wine in Arizona is made in, in the Verde Valley. Okay. So there's a lot of uh, driving. I, I made 10 trips in our uh, big Freightliner truck this fall or this harvest season to bring fruit up from uh, 
Wilcox uh, to uh, our winery in Cottonwood. Talk a little bit more about what you learned going through the school at Yavapai College focused on winemaking and grapes. And, and, all and we'll give you three minutes to think about it because we can do a lot of things here at Rosie on the House, but we can't stop the clock. Well, if you put the nickel well now, I put a sign now. We can get together now and drink us some wine. All because it's not a good time. So the biggest takeaway so far, Father Kino was a wino. <laughs> Originally brought it to the Southwest. Yep. And uh, before it became prominent in California, wine was originally grown, grapes were grown for communion in Arizona. Yeah. I knew that the San Pedro River had some of the oldest known farm sites that yes. have been recovered in the entire country that no wine was part of it. And I'm convinced that they probably grew the wine grapes for more reasons than communion because back then they didn't have air conditioning. You had to do something to survive, right? Right. <laughs> like drink wine. So, Emil, I was about to ask you about the Southwest Wine Center. Uh, what struck you the most? What were your key takeaways But besides learning to become a great vineyard owner and winemaker and all that fun stuff? Well, the Southwest Wine Center is a very unique uh, wine and, and uh, vineyard program because it is everything from beginning to end. It is, uh, uh, un unlike UC Davis, which is the most famous in the U.S., uh, the Southwest Wine Center has a fully functioning winery. And so students actually learn everything from, from pl planting the grapes to making the wine to marketing uh, you know, bottling and marketing and doing everything in the in the wine program. And they actually and that's have, really unique. Yes, they actually have a vineyard right on the school. They have a, a large vineyard and very high quality fruit. Luckily for us this year, we were able to get uh, Peak Pool and uh, Ionico from that vineyard, and we're really excited about it. So, because of that, Arizona Farm Bureau partnered with the Southwest Wine Center, and the students crafted for us a Centennial Red. The Centennial Red is a blend of six different red uh, grapes, and the kind of punch or, that I get from it, I feel a little bit silly to say notes because I don't feel like I'm a wine expert, but it's got that black cherry taste to it. It's a very good red blend. What's your take on it? Amy? Well, that's exactly right. Uh, uh, kind of a dried uh, black cherry flavor. Uh, very well-balanced wine, very well-made. And, and for those uh, listeners out there who think student wine is maybe something uh, that you, you want to try to support the school, but maybe it's not your favorite thing, I have to tell you the wine that the Southwest Wine Center makes has won many national awards. Uh, I mean, it's uh, against, you know, all the commercial wineries. Uh, it is very high quality. They've, they've had a lot of wonderful wine, and the Centennial Red is a great example. And so based on that point, uh, and it's made by the students, but it's a high-quality wine, how can I get it? Well, the Southwest Wine Center, as I said, is a, uh, uh, they sell uh, retail. They have a, a beautiful tasting room um, on, on site at uh, Yavapai College. Uh, it's actually in Clarkdale, although... Uh, when you go, you would think you were in Cottonwood because it's just on the edge of Clarkdale. Uh, it's a beautiful place, and I urge anybody to make a trip there. It's only four minutes from our winery. Uh, there you in go. The, well, in the Cottonwood Air Park. And that Cottonwood downtown, I've got a, pic a printed picture of the Arizona <clears throat> Wine Trail 
in the Verde Valley, they've, there's another one for Sonoid and there's another one for Wilcox. But right. the in Cottonwood, Clarkdale, you know, that you've got four uh, kind of spread out along 89A, but then downtown Cottonwood, uh, downtown Cottonwood, Eight and walking distance for in, within two blocks of each other. Yeah, there are eight tasting rooms in uh, Old Town, and also really nice restaurants. So I mean, it's a nice, uh, nice place to go and walk around. And if you get hungry, you've got great places to eat. So it's a trip to go up there and buy some wine from the Southwest Wine Center, and then hang right. out and tour the different tasting right. rooms. So, wh- you know, we've been talking about Farm Bureau and our partnership with Southwest Wine Center. With a Centennial Red, and by the way, for the listeners in the third segment, we're going to interview Brian, owner of Old Ellsworth Brewing Company in Queen Creek, because they created a, a beer for us for us, the Centennial, but I won't give away all the details. But why are you so involved in Farm Bureau? Well, uh, I grew up in Indiana, and uh, even though my family wasn't in agriculture, I had a lot of friends who were, and uh, uh, Farm Bureau is uh, an amazing organization. Uh, I, I don't mean to to uh, blaspheme, but it's it's almost like God in the farming uh, community. <laughs> Certainly in some of those Midwest states. Right. And uh, I think uh, Arizona has maybe 25,000 members, and, and Indiana is somewhere closer to 400,000. Um, but I, I, all my life I've had a very high regard for the Farm Bureau. And when, uh, uh, when I officially became a farmer— uh, I couldn't wait to uh, connect with the Farm Bureau here, and I found it to be one of the most professional organizations I've ever uh, been in touch with. Um, the ability to get uh, opinions and information from the grassroots level all the way up to the top and to legislation is just mind-boggling how efficient it is. And the, uh, all the people who work for the Farm Bureau in Arizona are extremely professional and hardworking, and I'm so happy to be involved with it. We love what we do. So back to the wine, and I've been sipping on one of these varietals that you brought us. So what? what's the other? Oh, I hear music. That means we got a break. But we've still got more wine to talk about and then also beer and all sorts of things about Arizona agriculture. Just go easy on the break, okay? We've got Julie Murphy, spokeswoman for the Arizona Farm Bureau, <laughs> along with Emil exactly. Mulan of Col Mesa. <laughs> that, that, <laughs> I didn't quite get you, that right. No, Emil. You'll, you'll get it right. Ah. <laughs> Call me simple, but that's who I am. Hey, I'm just a beer man. Emil. Emil. <laughs> I'm going to get it right on record. Amel. <laughs> Amel. Amel. Mullen. You have the wine tasting out uh, near the airport in Cottonwood. Right. Clarkdale. That there is uh, a retail location in the Phoenix area. If somebody was interested in trying the Cove Mesa uh, brands, you can get it at a, at a location on Camelback of 32nd Street. That's I can't remember what it's called. It used to be Sportsman's for You're years. You're talking about Tarbell's? It's uh, Tarbell's. Right. Uh, Tarbell's does have some of our wine, and uh, we, we have not done much marketing. Uh, uh, we haven't done hardly any distribution. Um, well, you just, you're brand new too. Right. Well, we are. And also we're very small. So, you know, when you distribute, you take a huge haircut on the, on the wine. 
And uh, but uh, uh, also uh, Southern Rail and Beckett's Table, two wonderful restaurants here in the valley. Uh, f- fabulous owners. They they have our wine on their wine list. Um, Beckett's Table. Beckett's Table and Southern Rail. Uh, Southern they're Rail. they're owned by the same uh, families. Um, very high quality place. We had dinner last night at uh, Southern Rail. Spectacular. Um, <clears throat> and uh, we're having lunch today at Jordy's uh, with uh, uh, being hosted by Christopher Gross. Um, and we're hoping that uh, we'll get some wine on their uh, wine list because they're some of the most important people in the wine world uh, at the Wrigley Mansion. You sure you don't want me to follow you guys around and <laughs> report on it and promote it to? No. Uh, we also, so uh, don't, listeners don't get the wrong impressions. We're, we've partnered to create a Centennial Red. We've also partnered with Brian with Old Ellsworth Brewing Company, and he produced for us an amazing beer. So we can, if you're a beer drinker, you can celebrate the CN. Uh, which is celebrating our centennial era of Zona Farm Bureau's 100 years. If you're a wine drinker, it's obviously the Centennial Red. But, Brian, you're on the line, and I would love, because the last time I visited with you, you gave an amazing description of the celebration beer, and I'm hoping that you'll give us the lowdown on the CN beer and where people can get it, by the way. So right now, um, CN is actually distributed in all the total wines in the entire valley and also right here at the brewery in Queen Creek. Um, CN is a kind of a unique beer for us. It's a, it's a Arizona steam ale. It's a California common style. So it's a lager that's fermented at a higher temperature. Um, but it has mostly Arizona ingredients in the, on the malt bill side. So we have, uh, malted Sanagua malt from, Sanagua malts in, in uh, Camp Verde or Cottonwood. And then also grain R&D right here in Queen Creek provides us with the malted white wheat. for That gives it the backbone of the maltiness that you get coming through on the beer. And we, it's kind of exploded in popularity. Is it fair for me to say that, Brian? Because uh, you released the CN beer quite a bit fairly early in the year. Yep, we've been brewing that for uh, since last November. Um, we got into Total Wine a couple months after we debuted it at the brewery. And then uh, it's actually the first, it's kind of a cool project for us because it's the first beer we've put in cans. Um, so we we really appreciate that partnership with the Arizona Farm Bureau. And we're happy to kind of support them in that. But yeah, it's, it's really exploded in popularity. You can see it um, all over the valley pretty much. So we asked Emil his story and what got him started. Can you give us a little bit of a lowdown why you and your wife started old Ellsworth brewing company? Uh, I was always home brewing for, uh, I probably homebrewed for like 10 years in my garage. And then, uh, I started doing some <clears throat> research while I was in college on opening a brewery and doing some demographic studies on Queen Creek and, uh, just throwing some numbers out there. And, uh, I went and talked to my wife and said, what do you think? Do you think maybe we should start this up? And uh, she was all for it. So uh, with her support and the support of my brother-in-law, who is our head brewer now, um, and also my uh, Chris's mom was the one that introduced us to Queen Creek. So uh, with her introduction, that was well, and kind I, of what kind of started. That is so neat. And I can tell you're burning the candle at both ends because you've also got a little girl and uh, when you were out with us for the race and for the bacon fundraising event in earlier October, 
Uh, she was with you, and you guys are just busy, 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 and spreading the word on quality beer. I've tasted the CN beer. I absolutely love it. And um, it's really a true partnership of celebration of of 100 years for Arizona Farm Bureau. And it's really allowing us to support local businesses like yours. Are you still there? Absolutely. Yeah, I'm still here. Um, Yeah, Uh, we are definitely kept on our toes running around uh, chasing Malin. She's she's the owner of Old Ellsworth, actually. Um, (laughs) But we kind of follow her around wherever she goes. Well, she's an inspiration. She's such a cutie. So um, another point for our listeners, again, you can get this Centennial beer in um, the Wine and More stores throughout the Valley, correct? Yes, ma'am. Yep, total wine. And then then what also we're going to do is our annual meeting, Arizona Farm Bureau's annual meeting is next week. It starts Wednesday night. It goes through Friday. We're going to be serving both the Centennial Red at, uh, the governor's reception, because of our 100 years, we'll celebrate that, and the CN beer. And then on Thursday night, after we have the Taste of Arizona, which is very appropriate, um, celebrating these two agriculture products. And uh, that's also after the big awards dinner on Thursday night. So for those attendees that are going to our annual meeting, where we do a lot of work, Amos going to be there. We keep busy with everything that we do. Before we lose track of this, I just want to say to you, Brian, I am so excited to see you making a lager. It's one of my uh, pet peeves about a lot of the microbreweries that they uh, don't take the time to make a lager, and I love good lager. So I I, uh, uh, highly recommend you for doing that. Yeah, it's a a pretty long process. It does take a bare minimum of 30 days. So it's it's, uh, scheduling... Uh, we'll just say a, a, a wrestle with scheduling for sure. And it sounds like it's such a family affair. Did I hear you say your brother-in-law is the master brewer? Is that yeah. It? So Ryan, Ryan is our, our head brewer. Um, we don't say master cause we're always still learning stuff. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, Ryan, Ryan is definitely in charge of the grain and hop water that comes out of the brewery for sure. And I've seen the operation. It's, pristine. Uh, one of the things, and I see this with some of our wine growers too, is that you really keep your areas clean. You're really putting a lot of heart and soul into it. Um, there's a method to your madness. For sure. For sure. And I'm not sure about wine. Maybe Emil can talk about that, but I know that brewing is only 10% brewing and 90% cleaning. So <laughs> Exactly. This, uh, that is exactly the description of winemaking as well. And, wow. and as Brian knows, uh, brewing and winemaking are both extremely nutrient-rich environments. And if you don't keep everything uh, sterile, sterile clean, you're going to grow a lot of things in, the, in your brewery or winery that you don't want. Absolutely. One of the reasons why we felt it was really valuable to partner with some of our local businesses in this effort as we celebrate 100 years is, you know, in the blend or the mix, so for wine, it's the wine grape grapes for uh, beer it's your grains and it's fun to see all of this merge and then a production or producing that value-added product brian were you kind of amazed at what it takes and then um, the availability of some of the local producers to help you produce some of the quality beer that you produce uh it's it's come a long way even since we opened. Like we're only four years old, 
um, going into our fourth year now, but the the availability of products that you can put into a good quality beer in Arizona has grown tremendously in the last couple of years. It's kind of exploded. Um, it hasn't been when we first opened, there was no way we could have done a project like this. So um, if that gives you any idea, then kind of. That's great. Launched us. And where exactly, if I don't, if I want to go to your brewery in Queen Creek, how do I get there? We are on Ellsworth and Ocotillo right in downtown Queen Creek. So we're, we're right in the middle. Tell us about some of the farmers that you've met in trying to access some of these, um, you know, byproducts to put in your beer. We, we, uh, so we're really close to Sausman Farms, which is about two miles away. That's where Grain R&D is. Uh, Grain R&D supplies a lot of the boutique and kind of uh, actually unique ancient grains to a lot of breweries around the valley. Um, we, we obviously, it's a great partnership for us because we're right here. We just drive down the street and pick it up. So uh, the Sossamans um, and, and Travis over there are great. They help us out a ton. Uh, and then also at Sanagua Malt in Cottonwood, we met Chip. And Chip uh, kind of fell in love with this project because of where it comes from, from the Arizona Farm Bureau. And he, uh, he jumped right on board and gave us, uh, we kind of just drove up there to talk to him, Ryan and I did, and he actually loaded up the back of Ryan's truck and we drove down and brewed our first batch after that. So um, Chip's a great partnership too to have. Brewed the uh, first batch and never looked back. Never looked back, yeah. <laughs> We're still going. And by the way, I know for sure the Sossamans are members of Arizona Farm Bureau. It, again, it's a family affair. And just like your business, Brian, it's a family fear affair. Now, I'm going to pivot back because we haven't given Emil a chance to mention the other wine that he brought for us this morning. And, Brian, thanks for hanging out. Stay on the line because we may have another question for you. I, I have a question sure. about hops. I wonder if you can get hops in, grown in Arizona. That is a good question. There are... There are a couple locations for hops, um, and we have chased them. Uh, but uh, a couple of the bigger breweries will snap them up as soon as possible. I've seen hops in Wilcox. I've seen hops in Camp Verde. Um, there's supposedly wild hops somewhere. Well, but, uh, I think that's a, a good uh, market for some uh, farmers to fill uh, in, I in think Arizona. So yeah. And I do have a couple of my farmers I know because I've talked to them that are working it. But hops are one of those high-maintenance crops, and sometimes they really have to based on the area that they're in. So, But they are. We've got a few farmers that are trying to experiment with that. Yes. And both locations he mentioned he found in Wilcox and Verde, you know, you're at 3,000-plus elevation. So it doesn't sound like it's something that most farmland in Arizona, right. which is Pinal, it's a, it's Maricopa, a, It's Pima. actually very similar to growing grapes. Uh, yep. Some of the same uh, have to be uh, at higher yeah, al- right. altitude. Right. So, what's the other, um, Brian? Please stay on the line with us because we might have some other questions for you. But what's the other wine that you brought this morning? Well, we have a Malvasia Bianca, an Italian grape. Um, it's an aromatic, uh, perfumey uh, grape that we uh, that that is kind of identified with Arizona. I think it may be the uh, uh, most planted white grape in Arizona. Um, uh, this is from Rolling View Vineyards, uh, which is a uh, uh, which is owned by the Pierce family um, down in uh, Wilcox in the Kansas settlement. It's a fantastic uh, grape, and uh, we fermented this at a very low temperature, 
uh, to kind of control the overly exuberant uh, aromatics. Um, I think it's a, uh, as Malvasias go, it's a very elegant Malvasia, and it's really delicious. Um, it's very tasty. It smells and tastes like a dessert wine, but it has no sugar in it. So uh, uh, it's very interesting, and uh, uh, a lot of people really love this Malvasia. So. Well, we have to also, do we have the time to do that real quickly? We wanted to uncork the Centennial Red, and <laughs> um, Romy suggested that we put it right up to the mic and try to... Celebrate in 100 years of yeah. Farm Bureau. Oh, there it went. <laughs> I love it. So that's our Centennial Red. It's a blend of six red grapes. And for those of you who don't know how blends of wine are made, um, and because I'm a graduate of the program at, uh, at the college, um, I participated in a number of these, and they're a lot of fun. Uh, there's there's a real art to uh, blending wine because uh, and and I want to give you the proper time to okay. do that so we'll we'll do that right after the break because I don't okay. want to rush this segment. Drop 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 keep a screaming for more dragon wine, dragon wine, dragon wine. Brian, your your ears might have been burning because we were talking about you on the break and okay. the guys in the studio made a point to tell me that we want to thank you on air and live for making a lager. Emil was really stressing that. He was kind of surprised that more of the microbreweries don't make a lager. So thank you for, for that. That was an Emil note. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's kind of it's a cleaner beer when it finishes. And um, we do two lagers. We do a light lager and then we do the CN. Uh, but there are there are quite a few breweries that are finally starting to break into that uh, market in the Arizona market for sure. So right. one more time, where we can get the CN beer and Old Ellsworth Brewing Company beer in general. So the only beer that we distribute right now, and it's our first distributed beer, is this the this beer, the Arizona Farm Bureau collaboration, the CN. It's at Total Wine and More all over the valley. If you want any other samples of our flavors, you have to come all the way out to Queen Creek. And as well, we should, because you've got a great brewery there. You've got great beer. And uh, I would encourage anyone that once is out in that area to go. And if you've been to Queen Creek lately, it's like everything else. It, it ain't all out there anymore. It has it grown up. It has it, grown it's up. It's not like you're going through these miles of farm uh, crops before you get there. Sure, you still see them here and there as yep. you're driving, but there's not this big separation of of city anymore. It's a, it's a cool place. And yeah. we've got Old Ellsworth now, so it's even cooler. Right. So um, thanks, Brian, again for joining. And Emil, you were talking about the complexities of a blend. Now, wh- why? Well, <clears throat> you have to have some kind of an understanding of how flavors of different wines will work together when you make a blend. And at the college, uh, the students will, uh, and I can tell you exactly how this wine was made, even though I wasn't there when it happened, um, different students created their own blends of wine uh, based on what they thought would go together the best. And then there was a general tasting where everybody tasted and then voted for which blend was the best. Wow. And that's how the Centennial Red came about. And it has some very diverse grapes, uh, really interesting. Tempranillo, Rafosco, Carignan, Sangiovese, Tanat, and Cab Sauv. 
Um, but I think I think the blend works absolutely wonderfully, and it is just typical of the uh, wonderful wines that the Southwest Wine Center puts out. So they put a lot of heart and soul into this. They did, and a lot of work and a lot of thought. And a beautiful label that's celebrating Arizona Farm Bureau's 100 years in existence. And, you know, you don't have to be an Aggie like Emil to be a member. Um, it's only $59 a year if you're a non-Ag member. Our Aggies, they voted on themselves to uh, pay more. So if you're a farmer, you pay $142 a year, or in Yuma and Maricopa County, it's $180 a year. But it's very nominal fee, and we've got a, the majority of our members are actually not in production agriculture. So uh, we have a lot, we get a lot of love from our Arizona families. Well, and I would say that uh, if you want to meet some of the most wonderful people on the planet, you want to be a member of the Farm Bureau. Not, as you said, not just because you're a farmer, but because uh, the people who are members are the backbone of America. And they are the, really the, the highest quality people that you could possibly meet. That's why I hang out, out right. with them. Right. <laughs> now, Julie, why would an urban family want to join Arizona Farm Bureau? Well, to that point, uh, certainly because they want to hang out with some amazing people, our Arizona farmers and ranchers. But you do get benefits uh, you do have a lot of our insurance benefit, entertainment benefit, all sorts of, uh, you know, you get some perks from joining, including some communications and a newsletter and all that stuff. Well, we've mentioned Sanderson Ford a lot, partner of Rosie on the House, big partner of Arizona Farm Bureau. I mean, they even have family members that are, you know, in the yes. agricultural production. But it, it's $60 a year to be a Farm Bureau member. If you buy a vehicle from Sanderson Ford, they knock $500 off your ticket price. That's so right there, perk. there's a yeah. or $440 savings just by being a Farm Bureau member if right. you're going to buy a car this year. Yes, and we have a lot of local benefits too. So if you're out visiting some of our farms that you can actually go, like you're in the Cochise County area in Wilcox and you go to Apple Annie's, which by the way, they had a huge fall festival celebration because last month was what our direct market farmers do during that time. Um, and a lot of times, if they know you're a member, you get a discount. So there's a lot of discount perks. That's not why I'm a member. I, I drink the champagne. I drink the wine uh, if I'm going to promote it. But I absolutely love it. I have parents that have been members of Arizona Farm, Farm Bureau for 45 years. So it's I, kind of all in the family. But I, I think the number one benefit for a, a city person, an urban person, to be a member is what they can learn from being a member. Uh, a lot of people in the city are so disconnected from what makes this country run and successful that uh, Farm Bureau is a great place to make that up. And, and we'll give you a lot of love. We, we love our Arizona families. Yeah. You're hired. <laughs> he is hired. We're going to keep him. <laughs> <laughs>